to Designing Hollywood. I'm your host, Allison Fanger. Thank you so much for joining us. Our guest today is Helen Huang. Welcome, Helen. Welcome. I'm Helen is an Emmy and CDGA Costume Designers Guild Award winning costume designer based in Los Angeles. Helen recently designed Holiday, Tall Girl, and The Rim of the World for Netflix. She previously designed Fox's 911, 911, not 911, right? Uh, NBC's <laughs> The Night Shift, FX American Horror Story, Roanoke, and MGM's Get Shorty. Helen began her career working in fashion editorials and commercials, but it was through scripted television and film that she found her true calling. Designing costumes for a narrative film combines her love of art and storytelling. While she relies heavily on historical reference, literature, and fine arts for her projects, her main aesthetic influences are based on the study of people and cultures. I love that. Her guiding belief is to draw inspiration from life because life is always stranger than fiction. True. She's currently working on projects for HBO Max and Apple TV. So again, welcome. <laughs> um, uh, starting with, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about how you got your start in the industry. So please share. Um, well, um, I always say it's sort of a roundabout way. I went to design school for fashion design and then quickly was like, well, that's not something I'm very interested in. And I think I went to design school was because I always wanted to be a painter and my parents were just like, that's not a job. And so <laughs> I went to design school because I was like, well, there's a job in that. And then it didn't really click. Um, I did finish though, uh, FIDM. And then I went to Art Center in Pasadena and I did uh, painting and illustration art. But when we graduated, it was like 2008. I don't know if you remember Allison, but it was like a really, it was when the economy took that huge downturn. Mm -hmm. And so it was just hard. And, you know, I had all these student loans. So I was working at um, this high-end jewelry store and then Vogue comes in and pulls a lot for the editorials. So I got an internship with Vogue um, in Los Angeles and I started to assist after that. Um, but it didn't, that also was like, I kind of liked it. I was like, maybe, I, maybe this is kind of where I was going, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't like a love type of thing. Also, you know, editorials, I don't know if people know, are incredibly hard. They have no union, all that stuff. So you get paid four months after you do something. Yes. So that was also like not conducive to student loans. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, I interviewed uh, with this designer who was doing commercials. So I did commercials. And then it's funny enough, I was introduced to Deborah McGuire through like a family friend and I basically stalked her for two years and was like, hi, I got into the union. <laughs> hi. Um, and uh, she hired me on a commercial and then she hired me for everything after. And that's how I got started. And as soon as I started to do like TV and, you know, that kind of stuff where there's scripts involved, I was like, this is it. I really love this. Mm -hmm. um, it's like creative, but it's like problem solving. It's a lot of, it's a combination of a lot of things that I really love, but you know, um, but also it's because I kind of really love stories and people. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's like a wonderful profession to sort of like almost like stumble into, you know, totally. but it's that like was love. Becoming part of the storytelling process. Yeah. You know, like I had a similar kind of, you know, segue from thinking I wanted to do fashion and yeah. then realizing that I really wasn't as interested in just straight up fashion. Yeah. I was in 
you know, if fashion was there to tell a story, to be part of a story, I'm all down for it, but yeah. it isn't always, and it can be all kinds of other character elements. And it's yes. so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah. And your world's so much bigger, I think. And I do really love, it's like collaborative art, right? You're performing that every day. And so I think there's just something really magical about it uh, that you can't really put into words, but you know, yeah. And I, I think we both fell yeah. very right over your heels in love with that. Yeah, I love that you stalked up Deborah McGuire. Everyone <laughs> has to stalk someone, right? <laughs> yeah, and Deborah was like, she was so nice. She used to write back and I was like, she doesn't even know me. And then now <laughs> that I'm, you know, designing and stuff, I was like, wow, like she's such a classy person, you know? Cause you get so many, like oh, so many emails and just like to answer yeah. back someone that you don't know. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, she's great. It does take persistence, you know, mm -hmm. because yeah. people like Deborah McGuire are so busy. Yeah. Um, that they're not going to remember that you emailed them one time three months ago. Yeah. Well, you just got to email them again, right? Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people that I'm like, they're like, I don't want to bug you. I'm like, you're not bugging me. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Remind me of you. Yeah. And if I don't answer for some reason, just email me again. You know, we're busy. Like, yeah. Fine, so. And I, I think also it's like opportunity, right? When you, cause you do want to, as people in this industry, you do want to help others because that's what got you here. Like people who sort of in, mentored you and all that stuff. And it's, you do want to, but it's like, it is an opportunity. That's why bugging helps, you know? Yeah. If not much, nothing might come in three months, but it might come in like six months, you know? Exactly. It's just the timing and the timing is to be the yeah. right moment, you know? So you have yeah. to keep trying. Um, anyway, so was there a particular moment that you knew that you wanted to become a costume designer? Um, I mean, I think it was a, like accumulation of things, you know, but I think as soon as I started to do a pilot, I was like, oh, well, this is really interesting. And so I think it was just like having, like being able to do like characters and um, just the narrative and the different beats. I think, I don't know, for me, that was like really that was really something that really turned it, you know? Cause I was like, oh, there's this other uh, form of thinking about how to, like, it's not just about the clothes, like it's about people. And I think that's when it really switched to me that that's what I was missing. It's like before, it's just like, you're just, you're just putting clothes on a model. And yes, you have an idea of, you know, who you're advertising to, or like, you know, um, who the client is and who this model is, it's not, very real you know there's not a lot of dynamics to it and I think once you start doing a pilot you're just like oh there are all sorts of people in this world and you could come up with your own ideas and also like working with actors is really special and you know all that stuff so I couldn't agree more yeah. it's exactly like what happened with me um so I think we might touch on this. So I said, did you follow the path of, pra well, no, this actually is a new question. If you follow the path of practical hands-on education or uh -huh. did you attend school to learn design, which I'm guessing from what we talked about already is sort of a combination for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I personally think like the education at Art Center was like priceless because, you know, art is a lot, it's practicality. Like you have to learn how to paint and draw and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it's ideas. And I feel like as costume designers, I always tell people we're ideas people. Mm -hmm. Like we have to practically execute something, but like how interesting something looks, how it fits into the film, how the costumes talk to each other. Those are all ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think the training comes from being taught that, you know, 
like yeah. being taught art history and like, you know, just how people think throughout different time periods, I think really helps because you realize the world is ever turning and it does help you in this industry because you realize that it's, it's more than just what people are wearing, you know, and yeah. what you talk about is more than what people are wearing. That's the culture and the time yeah. and all of that art has all the art education comes into your yeah. viewpoint when yeah. you're conceiving. Yeah. Right. Character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so absolutely like, yeah time like even history right like that yeah. affects, affects yeah. uh look and fashion yeah. and influences people's choices yeah. and all of that business so but i learn every day from everyone that i work with yeah. i know you probably do too like all the tailors the, the cutter yeah. fitters the age it's just like amazing people that you work around agree um okay so did you work oh wait well, were there any specific designers who you studied, who you studied prior while you were coming up in your career or who inspired you or who you worked with that you felt like you really learned a lot from? Um, well, there are personal mentors. So obviously Deborah McGuire is one. And not only is she a great designer, she's a badass businesswoman. And I think um, there's something to be said for that. People don't really like to identify that with our industry, but like you know, you, you can't, you have to be also kind of a badass businesswoman to be a designer. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, April Ferry was a mentor. Roberta Hayes was a mentor. Lou Eirich is definitely a mentor, but like, I actually want to learn and grow every day. So I like watching films and compare sort of how di different designers approach, um, like the same decade or the same period or how different designers do sci-fi you know mm -hmm. uh I really look to Iko Ishioka because I feel like she's beyond amazing in sort of conceptual design um I love Anne Ross because I feel that her designs are innately human like so human um you know Milena Calanero um it's just list goes on Sandy Powell because She's so confident in her work and her choices and her color palette. But I, I look at everyone um, across the spectrum because there's always something to learn from someone's uh, perspective. And then also with the directors that they work with, I try to um, gain as much knowledge about their end result as possible. So it, it feeds into you know, my memory bank so I could access it later. But I, I feel... I, like, there's just no end to in inspiration yeah. from our industry. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, that was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. So have you, did you work when you're coming up? Did you work in all the various positions within the department or mainly um, focus on design or? I, well, Deborah used me as a, a key um, and when you're working in commercials, it's only two people. So you're basically ACD. Um, but, you know, she used me as a key, but it was more like an ACD position. And then so when I, uh, I did shop, you know, for April Ferry, and then um, I ACD for Lou Eirich. And after that, I started designing. So I, I just, I didn't do the the set stuff. Um, I feel like my set people always tease me because I can't even use a walkie. It's just like really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> using the walkies I did do set and I used it and now I'm like oh I can't <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so yeah I I think you know 
I think Deborah was very smart in the beginning where she like recognized my strong suits. And I think that's also another thing of hers that's like amazing. She she just hones in on what people are good at. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she staffs her department that way. And so, um, I, um, so you, so I didn't know. So you worked with Deb McGuire before you worked with Lou. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, so, so in that vein, can you describe the collaboration experience that you had with Lou Eirich as a co-designer on American Horror Story, Roanoke? Well, Lou is like, obviously everyone says, you know, Lou is amazing and she really is like amazing. Um, and I think one of the biggest things about co-designing with Lou is that she is so respectful of your perspective, you know, and you know, when you co-design, it's that balance of like respect and exchange of ideas Mm -hmm. um and with her I just feel like you know she has a point of view Ryan Murphy has a point of view so you do have to know sort of that world Mm -hmm. but um she lets you design and she will be there to help you problem solve things and I think that's one of the um the best things about co-designing with Lou, you know, because she's done everything and she's done every stunt, every trick in the book, you know, and so she's very good at figuring something out, the, the getting to the meat of something mm-hmm. and helping you problem solve it. And so that was a really amazing. Um, but with Roanoke, Lou and I sort of like overlapped just a little bit and then she had to go and design feud. But, you know, I call on her whenever and I still do um to you know to talk about how to execute something or to um problem solve something mm-hmm. so do you do so when you do co-designing with Lou so it's like um when you do fittings then do you talk it over with her before it, they go on to Ryan is that kind of the uh yeah I mean like you you fit and then you know Lou is now a producer um yeah. Ryan mm-hmm. goes so she because she knows Ryan so well like she knows what would be a hit, what won't be a hit, you know? So yeah. you, you sort of show her and she'll tell you if the fittings, like if they need to change direction or something like that. But, you know, usually there's heavy intensive mood boards. Um, right. You know, you go through the racks together and um, you so know, if, yeah. And if you're stuck, you know, like sometimes you get the fitting photos and you know, like, cause I, I worked with Lou pretty intensely on hotel. And so it was like, I'll know, like, I'll be like this, this wasn't right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, sometimes you just stop the fitting. Cause you just know that it's, yeah. it's going, it's going nowhere. Like you, you, you learned, you learned what you need to learn and you just got to stop it. Cause the next one will be yeah. better, but this one isn't going to happen. Exactly. You're like, it almost always take, I find like with those, with your really important characters sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes you till that second fitting yeah get in that room with that person for the first time yeah you gotta feel your way through it no matter what your ideas were in your head that person as a person brings something else and you gotta feel your way through it and it's always that I always say that it's it's not till the second fitting that we nail this yeah and it gives you depth you know in the second or even the third one like Lou and I always talk about it it's like creativity it's a process And you might not knock it out of the park the first time. That's too much of an expectations, but you learn so much about them. Your second fitting will be so much better. And I think, you know, Lou has really taught me that, but like when you're co-designing with her and, you know, just being a part of that Ryan world, you know, I did know enough to be like, you know, this isn't good. And then we'll try to problem solve it together. You know, you kind of look at it, you'd be like, well, she kind of looks, they kind of, this feels better. Maybe we could add this, you know, 
yeah. again, problem solving. A lot of people yeah. that we're just geniuses right off the bat. We wake up being geniuses, right? Well, we are geniuses. We just have a process, like you yes, said. Yes, it's a process. I mean, that's part of being, that's part of the, because it's a process, that's part of it is recognizing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if it has, if it's a particular shape that is working the best. Yeah. Or whatever it is, then you just have to go back and fine tune it. But I just think like, yeah, you know. it's like, it's like a process, you know, and any artist, like people are just like, oh, like, you know, um, that the painting is the painting the way it is, but you don't understand how many hours a painter spends painting, you know, how many rewrites a writer does. Yeah. Same thing. It's like yeah. going back and reworking your work yeah. to be the best that it can be. I mean, yeah. I could do it. I could do five fittings and I would till, to get to where I want it to be. Usually we don't yeah. get that right. We get like two, but that's still really good. You know, yeah. I'm like, I, I completely agree. I always say that to actors, especially if it's bumpy or something in the beginning. If something's not working, I'm like, don't worry. Like, we got this. Like, we're yeah. figuring this out together. Yeah. You know? And you can see it too with the actor when they feel it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's like their whole stance change. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's our job. I always say that's my job is to help you to find your mm -hmm. best yeah. character. Yeah. You know, to do your best work. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're all working together. Okay, so um, how long did you work with Lou as a co-designer before you broke out on your own as a solo? Uh, well, I did a hotel with her um, mm -hmm. and um, then Deborah McGuire called me and was like, these producers that I have known for a long time, they want a designer for Night Shift um, in Albuquerque. And I was like, okay, that's great. But again, it's one of those things where it's just like, wow, like, yeah. She, I mean, she, she valued me enough to like offer, like, it's like, it's weird. I don't know if you have had this feeling, but your mentors, like they really see something in you, you know, and they see you could do it. And that's like, it's an amazing feeling in this industry because, you know, you think you know how to do it, but to have these people recognize and give you yeah. the chance. They're so important. The mentors and everybody, what you're my third person, like everybody has a really strong mentor person. Yeah. This meant everything to them. Mine is Sharon Davis. Oh, amazing yeah her she I was her PA in Minneapolis I was from Minneapolis and I was oh really and I was her PA and she was just like you need to move to Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> she's like this is what you should be doing I was like okay great like I love it so you know yeah. she gave me a job she got my union you know like oh it's God. that person yeah. who just yeah believes in you sees that thing in you and yeah helps you through so yeah and so I I started designing and then um uh, Lou, that's when Ryan was starting to branch out um, into more shows. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Lou tapped me to do Roanoke uh, when I got back. So that's why her and I overlapped because she did the first uh, floor and then we overlapped and I took over. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. But needless to say, like, you know, that Lou believing in me was like a huge deal. And, you know, uh, working in a hotel with her was like, uh, one of the most transformative experiences of my, uh, in terms of like learning about how to be a costume designer. So I believe it. I mean, Lou, I don't, you know, that it's such a, it's a new thing, this like costume producer thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is brand new and I don't know anybody with a more appropriate, pleasing temperament and yes. generous temperament and, yes. and kind heartedness that could yeah. pull off that position or create that position in such mm -hmm. a way as Lou Eyrick, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm just so blown away by her all the time. Yeah, no, completely agree, yeah. I love her. We're really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Minnesota girl, too. I know. I know. We're both Minnesota girls. Okay, um, so we just talked about that. So 
Oh, we we kind of just talked about that. The Lou Eric saying the Lou Eric Ryan Murphy jumping off point for costume designers is such an interesting and fairly new phenomenon for our industry. Yeah. Can you talk about how this shaped you as the costume designer that you are today? And if there's anything I you feel like we haven't covered yet, please. Well, but I mean, I think in a way, like, you know, Ryan Murphy prepares you for anything. I don't know if that's like the the but for me that's like that that's the general because the shows are so sorry about this I it's like COVID uh, <laughs> so because his shows are fast but they're movies and um he expects greatness on screen he wants iconic you know but he is someone who has a vision and lets you sort of do weird things and I think that in itself is very rare. The more I work with people, um, the more you find like that's kind of a rare thing. Someone who's like not afraid of the quirky, the unique, um, the strange and sort of kind of want to embrace it, you know? And I think Lou was the perfect designer for him and then working under them and sort of like you learn all the tricks in the book, but also get to be a part of this like incredibly creative environment and when you leave and do other things you sort of take that with you uh i always say i'm never afraid of anything you could throw anything at me and everything will be fine because yeah. of that world i love i mean we thrive off that right yeah like, throw it at us <laughs> throw it at us last even though we hate it last minute castings they'll look amazing the next day <laughs> i know it's like we're really kind of adrenaline junkies let's say yeah that, right it's like yeah i don't know i always find um you know pace wise is the most appropriate pace for me mm -hmm. this job because i like that kind of gets get you going you know yeah but it's then it's fun to figure out it's like puzzles yeah right? it, it's very much so puzzles yeah. yeah um okay so we kind of talked about this too but i often find that i learn something new on every project i'm constantly learning and evolving is this the case for you you already said yes to this but let's talk about some of the key things that you have learned from your work experience your, mm -hmm. during your experiences. Um, well, I think from my cutter fitters, I learn endless things every day. It's because, you know, like I'm not, I, like I don't pattern draft, you know? Um, and so like, to me, cutter fitters are like the age old craft. They're like a part of history. It's like ancient. It's it's pretty amazing. And so I rely really heavily on them and I try to learn as much from them in terms of textiles, what works, you know, when you're designing, like what you're designing makes sense with what's being made. I think that to me, I learn every single day. Um, and good age or dyers, you know, some of them are milliners. Like it's, it's, I, I, I learned from them because it helps me design things in the future. So you're not just, I think there's a like fantasy versus like reality combined. And to me, that's like so important, you know, because as good as your design are, if you can't execute it, if it doesn't look a certain way, if it doesn't function, it doesn't, it doesn't work, you know? And so I love learning that from them. But also I learned things from my ACDs, from my set people, I, because, you know, everyone functions in such a way and everyone takes their job so seriously. So it's like the organizational skills, what they find is important, what they see in details. It's absolutely inspirational, like every day. And so, you know, like even with my shoppers, I always tell them, you know, this is what I want, but I'll give me some wild cards, show me your perspective, you know? And like, to me, 
that's what it's all about is to sort of understand what people can share, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm just going to pause for one second because I just yeah, hear sure. noise and I'm going to pause and I'll be right back with you. Okay. Uh, what do you consider to be your most important challenges and triumphs that you experienced while designing American Horror Story Roanoke or any other uh, projects that you did? I think the most challenging is having enough stamina to like do it because it's you know it's well especially with AHS it's like stunts it's it's building things it's sourcing sourcing things you're up at four you go to sleep at 11 it's like super intense but it's sort of trying to maintain your creativity and sort of that drive that everything on screen uh needs to be at a certain level um to keep that drive going throughout the day and throughout all of filming so that's definitely something that you know, you, you try to do. And even with stuff now that, you know, you, you just try and keep like the stamina up. I've actually been reading like a bunch of Buddhist books to see if I could like reset during the day um, to sort of like give you, give yourself space to like create, you know, because during the day, sometimes you're dealing with putting out so many fires mm -hmm. that you're not being creative. And at the end of the day, creating is your job, you know? And so you have to like allow yourself space for that, yeah. you know? That's very true. Yeah. I tend to get like a little bit resentful sometimes of like stunts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, oh, like what? We have to double it, but we can't. I know. It. I want it to be vintage or whatever. Yeah. Make it, but do we have time? Like it's like all those things figuring out and they do impede the process sometimes. Yeah. You have to be. Or they'll be like, we can't wear this earring or this thing because it'll yeah. be like, oh, you're such babies. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you want to keep them safe, but you're like ruining the look. <laughs> My Lisa here is like, wait, they put a harness in, and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> they're fine on the roof. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, all those things kind of, because you're, you know, you're problem solving. And even while you're designing, you're just like, do you have the fabric for it? Like, do you need to sort of just switch and turn? And it, it does take a toll, especially when you're like not really sleeping. You know, I think people yeah. don't understand like how long, how many hours we really work. I know. I know. Oh my God. You know, they think we like go home at like six, wake up, you know, get to work at nine. That's not the case. We costume designers work longer hours than anybody I ever like know and mm -hmm. often are working on the weekends. Yeah. And on a flat, but and on a flat. yes. Pay equity now. Yes. yes. Most hours of anybody. Yes. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm on a flat, you guys, I'm leaving, but I don't have to be. <laughs> I always sit in my car. I'm like, I will always, always be here when I need to be. But if I don't need to be, I won't be. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be here gratuitously, but I would always be there when I need to be. Yeah. And you learn, you know, but yeah, the hours are pretty crazy. Yeah. For the listeners, be ready. <laughs> it's a hard life. Um, okay. So let's talk about your latest project, the Netflix mm -hmm. film Holiday. How mm -hmm. fun to get to design all the holidays like that. And it's a huge, mm -hmm. that's a huge undertaking. Um, so many scenes. When I said to I, when I was researching your work, and I yep. was like, I said to my daughter, who was helping us before, um, that I was going to watch Holiday. I was like, Do you want to watch it with me? And she was like, Oh no, I've already watched that twice, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. So it's so good. It's been so well received. So congratulations oh, okay. on that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your. What was your favorite holiday to do in Holiday? I mean. 
I, I kind of love them all. Um, I mean, obviously everyone loves doing Halloween, right? It's like weird. I don't know if you feel this way, but it's like Halloween's like the best, but also like the pain in the butt, you know? Like yeah. shows and movies are just like everyone wants to do Halloween and you're just like, oh, it's so exciting. And then you're just like, oh, pain in the butt. <laughs> Uh, I think it's hard so, to keep Halloween elevated so it doesn't look too cheesy, but you don't want yeah. to look real either. Yeah. So it's like it's a weird balance. Yeah. Uh, that I really loved. You know, I I I think I in general with the film, I just enjoyed the process of like designing the whole thing. Emma was great. You know, the cast was really really great. Um, but I always wanted to do a rom com, so that was like very exciting. <laughs> oh, you did. That was on, yeah. your, on your list. Well, yeah. You did a great rom-com. So like, <laughs> like, you know, as a modern rom-com, let's talk about how did you manage to keep Sloan fresh and modern within mm -hmm. the rom-com format? Well, I think I just, um, I think in general, like I just don't want her to feel like she really changed that much after she meets this guy. I, in general, like I think even without rom-coms, I hate that in a script. Or I hate that note, you know, that they give you where it's just like, and she met this guy and like, you know, they're looking at the fitting photos. They were just like, can't she have a different outfit? Like she just met this guy. And I was like, mm, is that really how you think women are? Yeah. You know, let's put a shirt now that she Yeah, <laughs> let's discuss that, you know? Um, and so I just, I think I wanted her to feel consistent, you know, like she might be upset, but it's, she's shopping from the same closet. It's just her. Like she had a very definitive self. And I think working with younger actresses like Emma and stuff like that, like they just like, um, like she, she was very calm, like as, as a person, she's very confident. And so she was willing to, she loved vintage and she was just willing to try all these things that aren't considered like, you know, I find it very attractive, but some people might not, you know, I think sometimes producers don't like humor in women and so they don't like women to wear certain things you know it's true um and so um I, I found that I try to I try to you know ground her in more something more contemporary and less worried about like is she really attractive in the scene you know mm -hmm. I mean obviously she, she is yeah but like yeah. but like you know but I, I think I just didn't want it to come from like that point of view yeah. you know you didn't want to look like she was like trying so hard to be like, also she was resistant to the whole like idea of being with him in the end. Yeah. So that works also like, yeah. you know, that's a way to frame it too. Cause it completely worked. Like she really mm -hmm. didn't transform, you know, her general style at all. Yeah. She was like always consistent and yeah. herself, right. So mm -hmm. I think that really translated really well. Yeah. There were so many good, like vintage is so fun to work with and, and yeah. it's sometimes hard to sell it, especially in a lead, like they'll let like the other, yeah oh that's a thing yeah be the quirky one but like, yeah I find that all the time I'm like I want my lead to be the one that's got the most eyeballs yeah. on them right and yeah well they're going to be the one with the most eyeballs on them so don't we want to make that one the most interesting I don't yeah. know like no that's a very good point because it's like they almost want the lead especially if their lead's like an attractive young woman to be the most watered down person yeah. and like their best friend is like has all the personality because yeah. I think in general people are, are like afraid of women who have like yeah. personality you know mm -hmm. um so with her I definitely wanted her to be the one who like wears the weird t-shirts and the vintage things and yeah. uh puts things together weirdly um and when we were at our first um fitting that's what I showed her was like all this vintage stuff and she she really em embraced it but I also think that's how young women dress now there's like yeah. old new you know all this stuff and 
it's just selling it to producers that it's not about like, is the sweater tight? It's like, is this vibe right? You know, mm -hmm. that's how modern women dress. Is this vibe right? Not yeah. the skirt with this thing, like so analytical about yeah. it. I agree completely. That's really yeah. interesting. It's a very interesting thing to talk about. I'm happy that we just talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy like everyone's having the, sort of the same experience. You know, since I love your work and everything, I just think it does wonders for women, you know? Yeah, it's, it's empowering what we do for yeah. people, the viewers, you know, yeah. they are then empowered to yeah. embrace their quirk or they're like, I can be the pretty girl and be the quirky girl at the yeah. same time, you yeah. know? And it does, it really affects people. I mean, I've gotten yeah. so much, I told you yesterday, like so many people, like they feel like they, they, it's been, it's transformative for some people, yeah. what we do, yeah. like empower them, you know? Yeah. And it's like no, so totally. great. Yeah. Um, I was going to say there was that line in the beginning when she's in the vintage t-shirt uh -huh. um, and her mom and she's on like a zoom or whatever and her mom uh -huh. and she's like is that what you wear to work like did they add that line after you created this character or was that line already in there no that line was already in there and I was like what can she wear that her mom was like and that t-shirt was like from the 70s you yeah. know and like from it was actually a, a t-shirt dress you know like oh cute she was wearing as a, a nightgown um uh, but for me, that was like one of my favorite things that got in the movie. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes a line will come after. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Okay. And they got a lot of direction lines for the clothes. And then we just had to figure out, you know, what that meant, mm -hmm. like for us, you know. Yeah. And I just didn't want her to look so like, I, I love the PJ set. I'm like, I don't know one woman that owns really a PJ set. And if you have a set, you're wearing the pants and the top separately. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I love like just you did all the holidays. Like it wasn't just like Christmas and Halloween and <laughs> it was like everything. They, they had around. But you know, the production designer was like great and you know. Yeah. I love production designers. So oh no, me too. You have to work closely with them. So I mean, yeah. always, right. Um, but that was cool. The, um, did you have a lot of prep time on that? I'm just sort of curious. I didn't ask, it wasn't on my list, but. No. no, you never really get a lot of prep time. Um, but also, you know, like working out of town is really hard. Um, even though we were in Atlanta, which does a lot of film. You were it's, in Atlanta, okay. Yeah, it's not in Chicago, but it, it, was, it, it was very hard, especially since we were doing the movie in the summer, like finding coats was like nearly impossible in the middle of summer. That's also something people don't understand, like sourcing winter wear in the middle of July. It's like awful. More and more. Yeah. It getting harder and harder and harder. Um, yeah. No. And uh, so that was like hard. But Kristen Chenoweth, it was just like we were having trashy lingerie build her clothes, but she couldn't fit in L.A. So we were fitting, fitting in Atlanta. So they would send samples. We would fit we would take pictures of everything that needed tweaking, we would send it back, then they would do it and they would send it. It was like this whole rigmarole thing. But, you know, it's like LA has a lot of sources that other people don't. And so you do need to do sort of like the back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. thing. Um, that's funny, because I was going to ask you about Christian channel. <laughs> um, so I think we talked about this Let's, I'm just going to try to go through this a little bit. Uh -huh. so that, yeah. So, okay. Do you want to talk about since when you were, when you were creating this character of Sloan? Yeah. Emma Roberts. Um, I was thinking about how it's, it's kind of challenging when you're making a mood board for a character like that, who's so yeah. unique, um, uh -huh. because 
to find your ideas? You know, I mean, did you sketch out this character idea or did you find other ways to cultivate and illustrate your ideas for the character when you're translating for producers and director? Well, with Sloan, it was very much, well, John, who's the director, um, he pretty much was like, go for it. You know, he was very like, he, he was one of those people that was like, I hired you for a reason. You know, you design and I won't interfere with it. If he, there's something he really feels strongly about, he'll say it, but like he trusts you. And um, I think producers and directors like that are amazing and hard to find, you know? Um, but with Emma, like I pulled a lot of images, like we, I did a lot of like when she was sad, like Mary Kate and also images from like the early 2000s where they just had like everything on their bodies, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of vibe. Um, you know, I pulled a lot of street style like images and things like that to illustrate what it is. Um, but for me, and this also comes from Lou Eirich because of Ryan Murphy, like uh, you have to be very exact about the images that you're putting for your mood board. So I always spent a lot of time on mood boards uh, and extensively sort of doing them. Um, but I personally like photographs. So like I'll do for Sloan, it's like, it's a person, it's like street images, you know, of yeah. people yeah. style. But like, if it's like, you know, like right now I'm doing period, I use a lot of like street photographers and things like that um, and photojournalism to convey like a mood. But I'll try to, like for me, I always in my process look at a lot of images first. So I try to lead with images and with sketching, it always comes after I look over all the images and sort of decide on what it is, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's like your own inspiration for the inspiration yeah. to illustrate yeah. inspiration, yeah. yeah. I mean, street style is like, it's nice. It, it, street style is so much more accessible now. Like it's so nice to be able to access street style. Like, yeah. And uh, Instagram changed a lot. Like I like literally will follow people if I think what they're doing is interesting or like a, an account that has like, that shows interesting photos. I'll just like stalk them and use that. Yeah, totally. I, I pop Instagram um, photos into my boards all the time because I, I like, you know, that you're getting the most real version. Of, yeah. Of what it is. Concept, right. Yeah like mm -hmm. how people actually portray it or like you know as you know because I have like teenage daughters like I'll go like you know who this person is so much like my daughter's friend like yes thing you know and I'll then I'll talk stalk her Instagram and you know but it's like yeah. that's it's it is nice I mean I I'm older than you but I remember having to go to the newsstand and <laughs> yeah. that's very cumbersome <laughs> <laughs> um okay so do you, can we talk about the specific challenges though? And we touched on this a little bit too, but about working with one of a kind vintage pieces and how that can be kind of different. Well, I mean, it's the most impossible to make multiples of them if you have, you know, stunts or something like that. Yeah. Uh, recently, my jam is to recreate the vintage. It takes a lot of money to do them for, you know, um, stunts and things like that. But I think it creates like the look you know so I'll invest in it you know mm -hmm. um but also like it's like it's you just have to like holiday was very uh, the perfect film for it because there wasn't a lot of stunts and you know everything can be a one-off you know while you're reading the script you're like oh I could just put it here and put it here but I think um working with vintage it's sort of like it, it kind of rounds out the story that you're telling you know and so you know, I have favorite vintage vendors that I source from all the time, you know, for vintage tees and vintage jeans. And, you know, even I do even the costume houses to find some things that aren't in production anymore. Like Emma was wearing juicy couture pants from the early 2000s. And I, I was I like, that. 
I was just like, you know, but it creates like a sense of like vibe. And I think, you know, people's clothes usually have history. Like people don't only have clothes from this year. You have to have clothes 10 years. And I always say this, like up until like five years ago, I was wearing sweats from, you know, my boyfriend's, uh, my husband's sweats um, from high school. It's like people wear all sorts of things collected yeah. over time. It's like a fabric of your memory. Like yeah. vintage really helps that, but it is a pain to sort of source, you know, but I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have my shoppers go through it. And, you know, obviously I have people I could reach out to, but yeah. um, and you have to find places that you could use them, but it's worth everything. Totally. But you do, you use a lot of vintage too. Yeah. Use a ton of vintage. Yeah. I wish I still had my juicy couture sweatsuits. <laughs> that was, I was like, my, my daughters again, have been looking their hard yeah. now. Did you yeah. find that at a costume house? Yes, at Warner Brothers actually. Wow. Yeah. And wow. I, I use vintage jewelry a lot too, which to the dismay, dismay of my set people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like, set I was like, but it's worth me. it. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. This is a big part of the outfit. You have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, can we make it something that's not so noisy? And I'm like, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there was like, I talked to that um, Kimmy who, Buzzle, who did uh, the original 90210. Do you know her? Yeah. She was at Vintage Store now out in Joshua yeah. Tree. I'm forgetting the name of it. She, I saw her at um, a current affair. Uh -huh. We were talking about jewelry, noisy jewelry. And she was telling me all about that, you know, that sticky stuff that you can put in the noisy jewelry yeah. now, which I didn't know. Yeah. About. Yeah. yeah. We we're like, oh my God. And then I bought a bunch of it. And my set people were just like, <laughs> they were not happy. <laughs> I had an amazing thing where I think someone asked her I think someone in the apartment was like this is a bit noisy it won't sound mine and she goes well it's their job to figure it out I was like April that is fucking oh that's badass yeah <laughs> exactly sometimes yeah she's yeah. like I'm doing my job are they doing their job I know right like as women too I always say like costume designers we're like we're like mothers of everybody yeah. and we're always like you know sometimes we tend to overly bend over backwards to make it easier for everyone else and sometimes you just got to be like you know what no I'm this is what it is and people got to work around this too because yeah it's important, right if it's an important yeah. thing I don't do it for everything I won't go to bat like that for everything but there's certain things where you're like you know what no this is actually yeah. really an important thing yeah right? so yeah. yourself, right yeah um Okay, so let's talk about the jewelry for Sloan because that was interesting for young girl, the choices. Because young girls, I find, do wear a lot of vintage, but mm -hmm. I don't, you don't see them wear a ton of vintage jewelry like that. And I thought yeah. that was an interesting choice that you made. So let's talk about that. Um, well, I think I usually, I love vintage. I love jewelry in general. Like I was like, if I get older, I'm not going to get necklace, but I will buy the shit out of jewelry. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think, you know, I feel like Sloan is like a, kind of like a, a haphazard shopper. So if she's somewhere, like she'll buy something and it'll come home with her. But she's not like a purposeful like shopper of any type. And so that's why I was thinking vintage would be uh, better for her. But in general, like even on Tall Girl, you know, when we were doing all the prom scenes and stuff, those were all vintage jewelry from, you know, all the vintage stores in New Orleans. Uh, that we collected vintage rhinestones and things like that. I, I think sometimes I just find them more interesting looking, like they tell a better story, you know, um, whether or not I think the character wears vintage or not. I just feel like they just tell a better story and they're just more interesting to look at. Because if you want to get to that level 
sometimes of jewelry, you'd have to get some things that are really expensive. So why not repurpose something and keep, you know, do the vintage and it's, you know, and designers knock off vintage anyways. Yeah, totally. You know, especially with like the jewelry now for like young women, like they're just knocking off like vintage jewelry. And so like, I think that's why I use it because it's already interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, that. I like that. And the repurposing thing is really important. I think we have a responsibility as costume designers to like repurpose as much as we can. That's another and vintage is cool and interesting and unique, but like just in general, the waste mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Um, you know, we can be like leaders in that. Yeah. You know, Very it much. does get a little it can be cumbersome yeah. budgetarily. I feel like sometimes the budgets of some of the productions have pushed us into fast fashion. Yeah. Purchasing, you know, yeah. just like not the best. And I feel like this yeah. is starting to be talked about more and more, I think in our, in our yeah. Industry, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I got off topic, but. Um, okay, so um, we talked about this. I was talking, we were talking about, I was going to talk to you about the like, about keeping it real by not changing clothes when changing. Well, I said changing mood, but you were just talking about being about changing the relationship changing that she wasn't changing. Yeah. But you said something. Did you say something about like mood changing, making a difference, or ever? Um, with no, I mean, like I, I think in general, it's like you just you just want the person to be sort of uh, consistent. But if you if we are talking about changing, I do think that in film and in TV, we could like repeat changes more. Um, because I feel, <laughs> because I feel like there's some there's an element of reality to people sort of wearing the things that they wear over and over and over again, you know. And yeah. a lot of people wear something ter- like something new or not reuse a jacket or you know have like an endless wardrobe. And I think m- more recently have we become more real to to that, you know. And also stop making people feel bad about their lives <laughs> in that way. Yeah. I mean, I like, I reuse pieces all the time. Like I reuse, like there was a sweater that I used in the pilot on Jane Fonda. Yeah. Um, that I've brought back three times now. And yeah. I, I just like, I love that because I feel like yeah. people get attached to pieces. Like it was in the pilot. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of people talked about the sweater. And so I was like, this is just a special piece that she's going to have yeah. the whole thing. And I didn't know we we're going to go you know, seven seasons. But, yeah. you know, the last time I had it out, it was like season six and I had it over her pajamas. Yeah. And it was like it. And, and I made sure it was like pilled and, you know, like it looked yeah. and because pe- people know that piece. Yeah. You know, like repeating jackets and shoes and everything like that. Yeah. That's, I love when I see that in a movie. I love when I see a shoe, if it's like a 10 years later in the script and I yeah. see a pair of ke- crappy kids. Yeah. It's like the best. Because yeah. No, me too. It's so much more richer. Uh, and I always say that to directors now. It's like, I think they should repeat, you know. Also, yeah. if, you're, if you're worried about your budget, then really get behind the repeating. It's real. It's special. It, you know, it rounds out everything and, you know, yeah. engages your audience. So. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. It just makes it feel more relatable, you know. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, okay, so let's talk about working with Kristen Chenoweth because she's like, <laughs> I saw her on Broadway and she's such a force. I was like, yeah. whoa, like a yeah. little tiny, yeah. formidable little lady. And um, yeah. and talk about the inspiration that you had for how you dressed Aunt Susan. And once you knew it was her or, <laughs> her or whatever. Well, when they hired her, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because I worked with her before once when I was like a shopper on a Deborah show. Um, and then, um, 
you know, the director, he was saying like, she should have a costume. Like she dresses in costume. She's like that festive, you know? And like, for me, I really like doing, you know, Sloan was like, you know, relatable and quirky and down to earth. And, and I feel like Aunt Susan's like the other opposite. And I really love doing sometimes women like that, you know, people who are super dressy and like super festive and have this like big personality. And so we literally like had, um, like trashy build everything and they were just like all sort of like I mean they were basically kind of like playboy outfits for her you know just done in different seasons and so like like for me that's also like really really fun you know it's to just sort of get outside yourself and design for someone that you like you would never do that yourself you know and um and for her, she's perfect because she's so joyous and like the costume just fit her because she's so joyous you know and she like she was just out there like flaunting it. It was like pretty amazing. <laughs> Very theatrical. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's got that. But I think that's where, you know, if you want to talk about like actors meeting the costume, like mm -hmm. that's it, you know, she is this big theatrical, bold person who yeah. is not going to shy away from, because if you, if you have that kind of costumes and you're putting it on an actor who doesn't feel it, you'd have to change that costume, you know? Mm -hmm even though the notes are still the same, you'd have to change it. But it's like her meeting these costumes, it was just like the right chemistry. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so that was like a tremendous amount of fun to be able to build something and then someone having enough confidence to be like, yeah, I'll wear that bunny costume. Just wear the ass out of it, right? Yeah. Just like, and it's so great when you see that. I love when I see an actor or actress walk to set and feel it so hard. Mm -hmm. like they just feel so good. Yeah. And I just, I'm always just like, yes. Yes. I'm happy. Um, okay. So let's talk about, this is like sort of just something I was thinking about is that she's so teeny, Kristen Chenoweth. She's yeah. Like tiny. And so is Emma Roberts, right? Uh -huh. and then you had like tall girl. So you've yeah. had like very off, like they're not off the rack body types. So yeah. like just for our listeners who are students and stuff, can, can you speak a little bit to that about like those particular challenges and dealing, how you solve those problems? Well, I mean, like, I feel like, you know, when people are really small, you, I, I think it's like, I knew Kristen was small coming into it. Um, so that helped a lot, but it's like getting the double zeros and, and um, knowing which brands have those things, knowing that sometimes if you're really small, like knits really help um, versus like having a button up because you'd have to take the button up down so much or, you know, how different things like work. Um, but in terms of like Emma, and even though she was small, um, like the fit of something fitting her perfectly wasn't something that we were very preoccupied with. And so I think, you know, even if someone's really small, it just, it just depends on their character, you know, like, are they the people who is small, but can wear oversized clothing and look great, right. you know, or are they small and they need everything to be tailored in, um, and they're that type of character, you know? So for me, the size of someone is less important than who their character is and how they wear their clothes. I always try to approach that first, but also like, is your objective to make them look nice? Because mm -hmm. if it isn't, then sizing is sort of a relative term, right? It's like right. It's about what works. And so I think I try to come to it from like that type of perspective, you know? But what obviously, you know, huh? I'm sorry. I was going to say, what about the, what about the dressing the tall girl? Like that's oh. on the other side of the spectrum that had to be a particular challenge. I well, was Ava was really tall. Um, How but tall was she? she was like six foot one or something like that. Um, but she, 
you know, like, it was weird because when we were starting to dress her, like, um, like, sort of awkwardly, you know, like the sweaters are supposed to be shorter on her. So like the fit wasn't as challenging because it was supposed to fit awkwardly when it did become challenging was like when we had to make her like the suit for her um prom and it was just like everything that was fitting her was like you know proportionally like not fitting her right you know so we had to like remake everything to like her proportions so it's sort of something like that like in the beginning it doesn't matter if her clothes were perfectly length because that wasn't who her character is but like once you get into things that are more formal when it did matter um then you have to sort of figure that out and like recreate it um but you know one of the things april fairy taught me and you know um from working on like horror and and lou is like you can make anything you want and so for me, I'm very quick on like being like, we're not going to find it. Don't spend five hours of your time doing it. Let's just make it. Amen. I right? always do that. I'm like, we're spending too much time. Yeah. This. Let's just make it. We know what we want. Yeah. You know, it just is like, it's like, it's time saver in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're going to find it or not pretty fast, yeah. you're like yeah. you're a good hunter, which I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, I always like to talk about color and there was this great color in the film. It was such a perfect opportunity for color usage. Um, do you can do you have any specific usage of color and holiday that you feel like helped to tell the story of mood and motivation? I think because of their like the holidays, the colors of the holiday already lend itself to it. I mean, like John was very specific. He wanted to feel the holiday. So like, obviously, you know, there are Christmas colors. Um, there are like Valentine Day sort of like colors, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, like tall girl, we had colors too, because Zynga liked certain colors. Um, but for me, again, like my perspective is like, if you're doing like a Wes Anderson film, color is super important. It depends on the movie that you're doing, you know, and like what the director's perspective is. But for me, I try to work out the characters and the vibe before I head into color because I feel like if the structure isn't right, it doesn't matter if it's all these beautiful colors, it won't like make any sense. And so for holiday, it was like the the colors of the holidays themselves already is there and so you just sort of like dress to that to like celebrate it right yeah that makes sense um okay so we've talked about aunt susan and sloan <laughs> but do you have any other favorite characters from holiday that you want to talk about that you really liked doing the look of i mean elaine was really good her mother who's uh um who was played by francis fisher she was like so amazing and like lovely she was just so like she was just like, kind of like an actress actress you know like you fit her and then she's like and you give her like a holiday brooch and she's like i'm gonna put all the brooches on me <laughs> i really love christmas you know like it's just like i love that like i love it when they're like I do too. when when they reach out and sort of like pull that magic in mm-hmm. um because sometimes like you know it's a balancing act right you want the actors to sort of wear and and have this exchange with you and wear what you want to wear but you're like secretly inside hoping that they would just go further Mm -hmm. and like she was just one of those actresses that always like went further and like really enjoyed that so I really uh would enjoy dressing her that's fun that is always fun in a fitting where you're like that's part of that first fitting thing where you're just like getting the feels yeah person and like Mm -hmm. where are they gonna land with this Mm -hmm. and it is fun when they totally embrace yeah um because then you're like I have this this other stuff yeah you're like oh (laughs) 
<laughs> that was suppressed in the hallway. I know, but I have this now. But yeah, it's it's amazing when you discover it. You're like, oh my god, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. It's such a great moment of fitting. I'll just be like, all of a sudden, something starts going in a certain direction, and I'm just like, yeah. I'll be like, oh my god, you know that scarf that I got? It's in the third row on the third rack in the back. Yeah. Like something you had filtered out that all of a sudden yeah. you realize is going to be the thing. Yeah. And it's just like the you, once you've met that person, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you have a favorite moment or scene from holiday? I have my favorite moment. <laughs> it was the white dress scene. Uh-huh. Um, was so great. It was such a good dress. So just that, but do you have a favorite one? And can you talk about that scene too? Just for our listeners and for me. Um, well, the white dress was like weird because it was like, it had to be on someone else. So it had to be believable that it was like on someone else with like a completely different body. And then it yeah. was like, on Emma and it's like a you know it worked but we you know a lot of times you know because of the stunt that she had to do you had to choose something based off that stunt right so it had to be something that she could run in yeah. it had to be something that had straps you know so it it falls so it had those kind of uh, parameters and we looked at uh, tons and tons of dresses before and we only chose like four out of the the tons that we looked at for her to fit in mm-hmm. and then you have to work out if, if it would like work or not but it was it was kind of it worked so well like I saw a set picture of Emma with like the red stain and like the hoop earrings and that dress and then she had on like what she was wearing in the taxi I think she had on like that furry jacket that we had it was like feathers or something and I was like that looked like she wore that outfit to you know New Year's instead of the black one that we did for her and I was like it turned out so perfectly but yeah to it was just it's that was like something that was like a happy accident because we did choose the dress based off of um those sort of guidelines right but yeah you feel happy accident that's always nice too yeah just so like for me as a costume designer watching and seeing like the red stain on the white dress it's almost like you're like oh yeah it has to be light colored so you can see this yeah like it was so good it made me see it as a viewer instead of as a designer you know what I mean yeah 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 yeah. like as the viewer like that is super important it was like so great that it was such a white dress yeah it wasn't just a white dress it was white and then that stain the stain was just like wow yeah and it's just like, I think people don't understand that part of it. It's like to, to get to that conclusion, there's so many steps that you have to go through exactly. to sort of arrive there. You know, our work seems effortlessly, effortless on screen, but uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, it's like, it's a, it's a lot of decision-making and a lot yeah. of like, a lot. <laughs> a lot of sorting things out. I know. Okay. So moving on a little bit here mm-hmm. now, let's dive into your process. Mm-hmm. Um, so walk us through a general start to finish for how you approach a film or TV project. Well, I like to, so I always do extensive move boards, even when I interview for the thing, like I, I usually will look up who I'm interviewing, like, or who I'm designing for, like the director, you know, um, or the if there it's like a producer and it's like a TV show and it's like these producers that have a very definitive style, I'll look it up and and, and take a look. So you understand where the jumping off point is. Mm-hmm. I also let the script inform me a lot about sort of like the visuals. And then I will take a look at tons and tons of image. Uh, I'm very visual. I would say like, it's very funny because I feel like there are two different types of designers, kind of like there are two different types of fashion designers. There's one which is kind of like, Galliano where like amazing things spew from their brain and they just kind of concoct and it's like 
it just comes out. Uh, I always say I'm kind of more like, you know, uh, Raph Sims, who, you know, used to do Dior. Um, if you've watched that um, documentary, it's like he looks at a bunch of images and then sort of analytically get there. And I feel like that's the type of designer that I am. I do go by my emotions, but I have to sort of dissect it and sort of like look at images and figure out what the tone and the mood is. And from there, I put together like mood boards and sort of like talk about character. And I really like listening to directors and writers talk about who this person is. I like listening to actors talk about who this person is. I feel like all those things make your original idea so much richer. So I always uh, go off that first. And of course, then you get into fittings and it's like this discovery of things, you know? So it's it's a lot of, so my, pro- my process is educated intuition is basically it, what I would say it is. That's really good. Okay. Um, let's talk about, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Let's talk about how the design process is different because a lot of our viewers are, listeners are students between uh-huh. film editorial and commercials and then what are the similarities what are the differences well I think the similarities if you're good at any of those things you're telling a narrative you know so like if you're styling you're you're saying the narrative of the if you're good at it you're like Grace Coddington there's like a fairy tale there's like a story there's like a humor to it or something mm-hmm. uh, commercial is the same way if you're an ad agency you're pitching to your audience you're showing them what life they're missing, you know, who they are, you know, and in the same way that narrative is. Um, But I think, you know, I personally, like when I costume, particularly between um, cost uh, commercials and um, film and TV is that commercials, it's very straightforward, right? You have a brand behind you, they're trying to sell something. So when they're picking actors, you're just looking at them be like, why are they hiring this person? you know, and then you, you sort of dress, dress them to what the brand is selling. I always say like, you know, for car commercials, there's the Audi guy and the Audi family. And, you know, that's monotones and, you know, it's a certain look, you know, and then you're dressing Honda and that's like a certain look, you know, they're selling different lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And so for me, commercials was a great way to sort of actually understand day players, because you're just like, what does this person look like? why are they hiring them? What are they doing in the scene? And then you're dressing them to that. So it's like a shorthand, you know, of what it is. My shoppers don't go out unless they have a picture of the day player, because then they know who they're shopping for. And I try to not move mountains and sort of like give them character, but sort of give them the purpose that they were there for. And that's what commercials like taught me. Um, in, In film and TV, I feel like, you know, they're becoming more and more similar, right? Before there was a huge difference. The TV aesthetic was like very polished. It wasn't very real. Um, Women looked a certain way, men looked a certain way, but I feel like it's become, you know, as you get into now there's streaming and prestige TV and all that, everything has become more of a melting pot Mm -hmm. where it's more of a movie aesthetic of where like people could be quirky and different um, or strange and it's okay, you know, but it's finally becoming that, you know? Yeah. But both of those are different than editorial, which is like you, you're putting stuff on a model and you're, right. you're, you're selling a different type of fantasy. Right. But like you said, it's like interesting, it, depending on who is shooting it or who's, yeah. it, it is still a story. And that is yeah. the, the best way to look at it. And it's so interesting what you said about commercials, because I did commercials a little bit, but I never like did them enough to where uh-huh. I felt that. And I think I probably would have 
done more if I had taken that approach at mm-hmm. any point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're also telling a story here. You're yeah. a product. You're making a brand. You're yeah. part of a brand, right? And like, yeah. I think if I had framed it that way in my head even more, mm-hmm. that I would have mm-hmm. felt more like satisfaction from what I was doing. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I yeah. was just like, what am I doing? Like, is this like just ordinary or is it, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I just always had that wanting to make it be purposeful and meaningful yeah. and yeah. important in the narrative, you know, so. No, I mean, commercials are, are, are interesting in that way, but they do get kind of dull because, you know, the brands think that they have unique ideas and it's sort of like, no, I've done enough to where I know this is not a unique yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> How many men in blazers and jeans do I need to um, dress for this Audi commercial, you know? Yeah. So we like our, we love our job now. It's fun. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about, we talked about this yesterday too, and it was really interesting about contemporary costume design is exists in 2020 because mm-hmm. I think it's really come a long way and I think we agree with that but I'd love to hear um how you feel about it well you know at the beginning of the career I feel like and since I started doing tv uh it, at the start of my career it was I think you know like men looked a certain way women can't look outside of the box. And especially how you were saying the main character, the main woman can't look outside of the box. Her friend can be, you know, her her mom can. So it was like certain things. Like if you were a woman in this age bracket, you could only look a certain way. And it's almost like you are the girlfriend, you are the hot girl, you are the mom, yeah. you know? But if you're outside of that age bracket or you're not the lead, then you could be all sorts of different things. Or yeah. if you're older, you know, you then, you, then you're allowed to be certain things. Yeah. And I feel like, since there's more women voices now, TV directors, you know, movie directors and producers uh, and actresses have a more of a voice now that it's definitely changed to where you could have a more complicated woman on screen um, and for them to not look good. And that's like my big thing now. It's like, I wanna be hired so I don't have to dress women to just look good. I think that's super boring. I don't think it does a service to society. Um, it certainly doesn't help our youth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like because of Netflix, because of Amazon, because people are making many movies that has changed a lot where it's, it is almost like there's permission for it to be a, a, a bigger voice. Totally. totally. And it's interesting because when we talked about it yesterday, I wasn't thinking again, in that context of it being part of it is, is the material, right? So yeah, it's not just that our costume design has gotten more interesting and more real Mm -hmm. and more out of the box. Yeah. The material is. Mm -hmm. The material has changed. And I think people have changed. And, um, and so, you know, clothing follows people and societal changes. And so I guess it does reflect even in fake worlds, like we do, you know, that. Yeah, exactly. But it's so, it is so refreshing to see like how many shows have such a strong, contemporary mm-hmm. look that I am yeah. never bored by mm-hmm. so many I admire so many of our peers you know yeah like, like everybody's doing just amazing work and it was, really was the only the kind of work you ever saw in features yes in the past yeah know? yeah um okay so um we only have a couple minutes left so um, <laughs> if you want to talk about maybe your favorite character or project or collaboration so far in your career and then we'll 
Well, I guess my favorite is always the next one, right? <laughs> Uh, but I have to say, I am doing a, a period to show right now that I am really in love with and that I really, really uh, like doing. But I think um, it's because it's 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 sort of like learning and it's challenging and you know it's all the all the things that I really strive for a project. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't like being stagnant, and so like with every project, I try to choose it for something that I could gain because it's too hard of a job to do if you get bored agree you know so you have to you have to pick the projects that really and I know it's hard for people in the beginning to be like because you want every job because you don't know when your next job is coming but I I do feel like at this point in my career and also I encourage people is like you know they're choosing you but you're also choosing them so choose the people that you want to work with choose the just you know producers and directors that you want to work with create that world that you want to be in you know yeah, like share that, share your point of view and yeah. make it easier in that way. And, and that respect you. Yeah. And that respect you. Yes. Cause it's too many hours and it's too hard. Yeah. To do it any other way. Yeah, and exactly. I could not agree more with that. Okay. So, um, one more question. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give listeners that you would have given yourself just starting out? I would say learn as much as you can just not don't just be interested in clothes because you know what the directors and producers they're going to reference music they're going to reference history they're going to reference artists they're going to reference a movement in time in history they're going to reference so much you have to be a curious person to do this job so be curious but also also incredibly you know don't take no don't take no don't take no be persistent. Yeah. People are going to say no to you so many times, but if you feel like you're worth it, this is where you're going to be, you know, just keep going. It'll happen. Yeah. That's good advice. I tell that. I told my daughters that that's the best advice. That's the best thing I could ever teach them in my life is to never take no for an answer. Yeah. So it's very true. Again. Be curious and don't take no. Yeah. <laughs> and be, I'll, I'll have to add that one to my, <laughs> my wisdom for them. Um, so I want to thank Helen for joining us today. And I want to thank Eddie Marks, our sponsors. And I would like to thank all of you for joining us this week on Designing Hollywood. Um, Helen, where can our listeners, che- listeners check in with you and follow your, the latest news on what you are up to? Oh my God. I don't even know my Instagram handle. <laughs> I think this Instagram person. Just an Instagram stalker. <laughs> Just an Instagram stalker. I think my Instagram name is like Hallie Huang or something, but I literally, I'm the worst poster okay. ever. So okay. yeah, failed on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can follow us on Designing Hollywood Podcast or at Marilyn Vance or me at Allison Fanger. Uh, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank show. you. Thank you, Allison. Bye-bye. Thank you to our sponsor, Eddie Marks with ragvan.com. Ragvan is Hollywood's favorite place to rent fully equipped, high-quality trailers used by the entertainment industry to transport costumes and garments to and around filming sets in Hollywood. Also, thank you to our viewers. Be sure to follow Designing Hollywood Podcast on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, and our YouTube channel for complete past and current episodes.